Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special holiday edition of Slash Film Daily. On today's podcast, we're going to celebrate the holiday season with a special Christmas clipisode. Uh, we're going to play back through some episodes, some clips from previous episodes, including our favorite Christmas movies of all time, and we're going to revisit the war against Die Hard Christmas. Uh, we'll have some new segments. We'll talk about uh, our most hated Christmas or holiday movies, and we will quiz Jacob, and he will decide definitively what movies are Christmas movies and what movies are not Christmas movies. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me at his podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Writers Y-Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, guys. Uh, let's uh, let's first play back a clip that uh, this is from last year. This is from December 26, 2017. This is us talking about our favorite Christmas movies of all time. So if you have never heard this, enjoy. I guess I'll start this out. Uh, which, by the way, we should talk about some of the movies that aren't on this list. I, I know people are going to get mad that I don't think anybody has picked Die Hard on this list. Um, and I know people are very vocal about Die Hard being a Christ- Christmas movie. Uh, is is there any reason why Die Hard is not on any of your lists? It's a movie <laughs> set at Christmas. It's not a Christmas movie. I will die on this hill, Peter. I will die here. <laughs> wait, wait. I didn't, I didn't know that you were this vocally against it, Jacob. Uh My- I think it started off as a joke. It started off being the fun thing of, hey, Die Hard's at Christmas. That's funny. Let's watch it at Christmas. And then people started taking it so damn seriously. And I'm like, no, stop. It was a funny joke. It's not funny anymore. Stop. That's Jacob, my opinion on it, Peter. Jacob, there is a Die Hard Christmas book out now. That for, for, no. Yeah, there is. <laughs> no. I refuse to acknowledge this. It's really bad. I picked it up last time I was at a bookstore, and it's like basically in the sort of sing-songy, and it's a night before Christmas kind of rhyme scheme, and it's like it's cringe-inducing. <laughs> I, I like the art though in it. Uh, I do not own it, but <laughs> I, I have too picked it up. Um, 
And uh, but Chris Ben HT, any reason why you did not have Die Hard on your list, other than so, other than the reasons Jacob has outlined? So I have actually never seen Die Hard, and I know Peter wanted me to mention this so we could public all publicly shame me. Yeah, yes, got to publicly shame me. I have not HT. seen Die Hard. <laughs> that uh, is why it's not on my list. Yes, we need to get you to see a Die Hard. Although, like, I, I wonder, do you think at this point? Uh, do you think at this point, if HTC's Die Hard and she's seen kind of all the action movies that kind of Die Hard has influenced, that it will even stand out as like remarkable in any way? Yes. Uh, yeah, it definitely will because Die Hard is like literally one of the best action movies ever made. So it, there's nothing that you know, no amount of uh, of imitators, um, even ones that come close to the quality of the original Die Hard, can take away from uh, just how solid that movie really is. The character work is so amazing. If the action is redundant to HD at this point, like John McClane and his original art incarnation is such a fascinating, relatable guy. I think I think she'll enjoy that at the very least. Yeah, um, I think I'll enjoy it. I just never got around to watching it. Although I do kind of want to see it based on how many jokes are include are referenced to uh, Die Hard in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, I will say the reason why I did not include Die Hard on my list is because uh, I I did include a movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is I think kind of it's kind of replaced Die Hard in that category of being kind of like. A, uh, I don't know, an, an action movie set during Christmas. Um, you know, it was it's Robert Downey Jr. before America kind of fell in love with him in the role of Iron Man. There, uh, Shane Black is again. You know, I mean, I, I know America has kind of uh, caught on to him now. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of become a, a a bigger name in the the not just as a writer but as a director. Uh, you know, he has Predator coming out soon. Um, but he, this this movie is just so good. I, I, I just enjoy it in so many ways. It, it's it's an awesome L.A. movie. Yeah, it, it is uh, an awesome Christmas movie. It is, you know, kind of, a you know, in classic Sheen Black style. It's a film noir set kind of uh, during the holidays. And um it's it's just it's just perfect for it's a perfect kind of Christmas movie for me. Uh, not because uh, and I'm wondering if Jacob would consider this a Christmas movie because it's kind of like a movie set on, during Christmas. It's not really a Christmas movie per se. I think the Christmas matters more in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Shane Black is more interested in Christmas as an aesthetic choice, whereas it's literally just an excuse for characters to be together in Die Hard. So I, I I'd say Kiss Kiss Bang Bang has more of an argument here, and I, I'm I will allow it, Peter. I will allow it. <laughs> okay, uh, Chris, what is the first film on your list? Well, I will say that the second film on my list is also Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, so I don't have to go over that one. But no, no, no talk about that. <laughs> to tell us why that is on your list. Pretty much all the reasons you said, and I just I love Shane Black's writing in general. He's a very good screenwriter, and. Pretty much every single film he's written is set at Christmas, give or take. And he just he just loves it as a a theme, I guess. But the, the first thing on my list is uh, Stanley Kubrick's final film, Eyes Wide Shut, which I guess is a little uh, polarizing. Some people don't really like it. I, I love it. Um, and it's very even though it's not about Christmas, it's very Christmassy. Uh, there's a, like a Christmas tree in almost every shot. And it just has this really 
eerie, chilly Christmas vibe to it that I really like, which also adds to the overall strange atmosphere of the film itself because it's this sort of psychosexual drama set over the period of like one night but uh, christmas is always sort of in the background there which just adds to the atmosphere and i don't know i, I just love that movie and i, I rewatch it every year around this time I, I like that movie it it you know i think it's supposed to be set in new york city during christmas and it's obviously shot you know overseas in london for the most part it's, it's at least from what i remember um, so it kind of feels weird. It doesn't feel like an American Christmas movie, even though it's set in America. Um, do, do, do you get that yeah. feeling? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he shot a lot on back lots because uh, near the end of his life, Kubrick did not like to travel, so he shot everything in London or you know England where he lived. So yeah, but I agree that sort of adds to the weird atmosphere of the film because even though it's supposed to be set in New York almost nothing really looks real. Like it looks like they're on studio backlots, which kind of makes it otherworldly and dreamlike. HD, what is the first film on your list? Uh, so before I go into my first film, I'm going to add another postscript to the kiss, kiss, bang, bang love. Cause that was also one of the films on my list. I'm a huge fan of Shane Black's sort of series of action films set in Christmas, which includes Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Nice Guys, and Iron Man 3. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was kind of the first of those. And it's a great seedy noir that interplays like the more familial Christmas elements with this uh, more lurid uh, underbelly of, of L.A. So, And the buddy, co- buddy comedy between... Um, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer is always great. So that's my little addition about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. My first movie is, I think, the first kind of <laughs> real Christmas movie we have here, which is Elf, starring Will Ferrell. And it's a great film that I kind of kind of grew up watching. It was It's one of my favorite Christmas films that I watch every year. And it's just so full of fun and joy. And it's a very cheesy, typical Christmas story about finding the importance in love and family during the holidays and wanting to spend time with them. And it also has the great comedy of Will Ferrell acting like a big child. So you can't really lose with that. Uh, My first one is Mickey's Christmas Carol, which is a 1983 animated, I guess it's technically an animated featurette, but it's basically a short film. It's like 25 minutes long. Um, I'm, I'm curious, has anybody else even seen this movie or is this something that I just grew up watching? I've seen it. Actually, I don't think I have. I, I think it used to play all the time on the Disney Channel, and I remember watching it as a kid. But I don't think I've seen it in you know probably two decades. Yeah, I, it's one of those that every year I just love rewatching it. It's my it's the first. Um, it was my introduction to the story of a Christmas Carol, the Dickens story, and I still have never read the actual book. But obviously, there have been a ton of you know different adaptations of it, but. Um, for me, there's always something special about the first time that you're introduced to a, you know, a classic like that. Uh, and this Mickey's Christmas Carol is just, it's so good. It's, it's, um, uh, Mickey is basically the stand in for Bob Cratchit. Um, Scrooge McDuck plays Ebenezer Scrooge, which is just perfect. I mean, it's like baked right into that character. Um, Goofy is Marley's ghost. Uh, Jiminy Cricket is one of the ghosts of, you know, Christmas past, present and future. So there are all sorts of, uh, classic Disney characters sort of uh, interweaved uh, all throughout. Um, if you guys have never seen this, I would definitely recommend checking out. I think it's all on YouTube, probably. Um, I, I think it was a couple years ago, but it plays sometimes on like um, 
ABC Family, they do like 25 Days of Christmas or, or one of those sort of uh, marathon special kind of things. So I always record it every year and, and just rewatch it because it's quick. You know, it's 25 minutes. You're sort of in and out and you get that that nice uh, holiday warmth and, and uh, just a retelling of a classic story with familiar characters. And um, yeah, it's great. I love it. Now, there, there there was a film that I wanted desperately to include on my list, but I didn't love it that much. But it was such a, a good, you know, pick that people have not seen. I'm so glad that you have included it on your list, Jacob. And that pick is Rare Exports. Rare Exports. I think it may be the, the most obscure movie uh, out of any of our lists. And it shouldn't be because it's great. It's a 2010 Finnish movie. Uh, and it's... So if you've seen subtitles, you think you think horror is your thing at Christmas. It's only 82 minutes long. It's an 82 minute long Finnish Christmas horror movie, and it's great. Uh, I don't want to say too much about the plot, but it's it takes place in a small Finnish village, where in the nearby mountain, a large corporation has uh, begun has begun excavating something, and we soon discover they are searching for Santa Claus, the mythical Santa Claus who used to punish children thousands of years ago. And let's just say they find him. And things go very wrong for the town, very wrong for everybody excavating the mountain. And it's up to a plucky young boy to uh, save Christmas and everybody's lives. It's really fun and funny. It has a, a Gremlins vibe, it has a Joe Dante vibe. It, other than some, um, other than some male nudity, um, there's a lot of male <laughs> nudity in this film. It's actually you actually show it to like younger kids who want like a dark. Christmas adventure, and as long as you're okay with uh, men's penises, and there are a lot of them, parents, so be careful, and you don't, you don't mind subtitles, it's no like more extreme than Gremlins or any of those sort of 80s movies we treasure. It just happens to be in Finnish, and it's, a, as far as Christmas horror goes, and I have another Christmas horror on my list I'll get to in a second, I think it's top-notch. I mean, it, it really is a great Christmas movie. It's about family togetherness, about fighting Santa Claus, and it's antiquated ways of punishing children. It's so good. I really do love it. Has anybody else other than me and Peter seen this? I have not. I wanted to. I, I remember the trailer when it came out, and I, I meant to add it to a queue and just never got around to it, so I'm adding it right now. I've seen it, and uh, if you're interested in seeing it, it's now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. All right. Oh, good to know. I have not seen it, so. It, it, it's worth checking out. I, I, it's one of those films that I recommend to a lot of people, but it's not a film I love, um, but it's definitely a film that I think everybody must see. If that makes sense. And it's, it's why it's not on my list. Um, but in the same vein, there is a film I saw uh, uh, many years ago. It's a short film called Treevenge. And it's by Jason Eisner, uh, who directed Hobo with the Shotgun. And this was a short film that played, I think, at Sundance and other festivals. And basically, and I think you can find it online on YouTube. I know we have, we posted it when it was first uh, became available for free online. And Treevenge is basically uh, about a Christmas tree. And it basically is a horror story told from the perspective of a Christmas tree. Um, and that's, that's all I will say. It's, it's very enjoyable. And... Uh, I, I, I'm actually uh, disappointed that we haven't seen more from Jason Eisner uh, following this short. Uh, he did have that hobo with shotgun, and he produced uh, Turbo Kid, and I know he did second unit directing on um, one of the Netflix shows, or Netflix movies, uh, Death Note? Death Note, yes. Mm. Um, yes, so that is my second pick. Uh, what is next up for you, Chris? Uh 
Next up, I have Batman Returns, which for a long time was actually my favorite Batman movie until, I guess, the Nolan films came out. But that's another movie where it's not really about Christmas, but it's set during Christmas and it has a very Christmassy vibe to it. You know, it's always snowing. Wait, and... wait, wait, wait a second. We got to go to Jacob. Jacob, <laughs> is it a Christmas movie? Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. And I'm interested uh-huh. to hear what Chris says because we'll. One of our freelancers, Vanessa Bogart, just submitted an article arguing why Batman Returns is the definitive Christmas movie of 2017. So, in addition to Chris, we'll be hearing more about this on the site very soon. Okay, <laughs> Chris, go ahead. <laughs> it's true. Um, I won't get too political, but the whole the whole Penguin Mayor campaign thing eerily reflects uh, the year in politics. But it's also just, I don't know, it's, it's very gothic and twisted. This is basically the film that sort of got Tim Burton kicked off the Batman franchise because even though it was a hit, a lot of people complain because it's very dark. It's even, even darker than the first Batman that he directed. And it almost has no reverence for the source material at all. Like nothing in this film really reflects the Batman comics, but I don't know. I just, I love this movie. I actually rewatched it recently to see if I would still like it. And it still holds up for me. And Tim Burton knows how to do Christmas right. Uh, obviously, he also did another film called A Nightmare Before Christmas, which does not make any of our lists. Um, it's not on my list because I consider it more of a Halloween movie. Uh, but, but what about you guys? Like, why is it not on your list? I also see it as more of a Halloween movie. The soundtrack itself is very Halloween-y, uh, more so than any Christmas movies I've seen. So it's just it's more gothic and in, in tone with that ho- holiday. Uh, even though it's not on my list, this is my hill to die on, and this film is a Christmas movie, no matter what anyone says. It's literally, it literally begins after Halloween ends. It can't count as a Halloween movie, damn it. It just makes me angry when people say that. The whole movie is set after Halloween. All right, continue. <laughs> Jacob, is it a Halloween yes. or is it a Christmas movie? <laughs> this is a tricky one because the director says it's a Halloween movie. Uh, I think it, it, it flips both ways. It, it, it serves either holiday, and you should be allowed to pick. Ben, why is this not on your list? I just don't like this movie. Uh, wow. Ben! I, I mean, I saw it when I was a kid, like, <laughs> once or twice, and I'm just, like, not a fan of it. I don't like the music. I don't like the aesthetic. I don't like any. I don't like the characters. I don't like anything about it. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Wow. wow. We, 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 we just saw a little bit of the Grinch. I know. Um, <laughs> Not to be in the holiday mood. HT's gasp at uh, that revelation <laughs> was just classic. HT, what is, what is the next movie on your list? All right, so my next movie on my list is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which is not, for all intents and purposes, a Christmas movie solely, but it's a movie that I associate with Christmas, partly because ABC Family slash Freeform constantly airs their Harry Potter marathons during Christmas time and the rest of the year. Uh, But Harry Potter, to me, feels like this warm, nostalgic childhood presence that I always associate with Christmas. And it helps that a lot of the scenes during the movie take place during the winter, and Christmas plays a huge role in 
the story of the first film, uh, which is that, you know, Harry Potter is the very lonely sort of abused child. And he finds his first family during Christmas when Ron kind of accepts him into his family and gets gets his mom to send him a sweater. And that's his first real Christmas he has. So it's a, it's a sweet moment, it's a really defining moment to me for the Philosopher's Stone. Sorry, the Sorcerer's Stone. Well, it's it's both. UK, yeah. it's Philosopher's Stone. US, it's uh, Sorcerer's Stone. It's it's weird that they renamed the books and the, the movies in different places. Uh, ben, what is next on your list? Uh, next up for me is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. This is the 1989 comedy that stars Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo. Uh, it is maybe the movie that I've seen the most times in my life, which is really a weird thing that I'm realizing right now and and uh, something that's a little bit embarrassing because I don't love this movie enough for it to sort of have that hallowed uh, place of esteem in my <laughs> movie watching history. But it's just one of those that I've seen almost every year since it came out. Um, it's one that my family uh, has bonded over every holiday season when we're all together. It's just the movie that we all agree that um you know that that we have on in the background and we laugh at it every year different things and it's it's one of those that i've seen again probably yeah like you know 20 plus times or something and i'm not the type of movie watcher that um that rewatches things that i love over and over again like back to the future and raiders are probably like my two favorite movies ever and i've i've probably only seen each of them you know, I don't know, 15 times each or something like that. So just to give you people a baseline of like how I watch movies, I don't I don't really like revisiting things, you know, every year. I know people do that, like throw stuff in in, uh, you know, just in the middle of the summer, like, oh, this movie, uh, I'm just going to watch this again because I love it. But the, the holiday, you know, Christmas is really the only time of year where I rewatch stuff that I've seen over and over and over again on purpose. Um, and Christmas Vacation really just takes that top spot for me just because I've seen it so many times. And it is still pretty funny. I mean, for me, because I've seen it so much, uh, some of the humor has... I'm, like, watching it more for, like, the construction of the jokes than the jokes themselves at this point. Because once you... Uh, you know, it's like going to a comedy show and seeing the same thing so many times, you start to appreciate different aspects of it. But, um, but yeah, Christmas Vacation. Anybody else like this one? Yes, that movie is also on my list. It's one of those movies that I, I try to watch every year. Uh, I would say it's probably not, you know, the best comedy. It's probably not even the best comedy in the National Lampoon's uh, Vacation series. But, uh, you know, it perfectly captures that kind of like family at home at Christmas vibe. And, you know, it's written by John Hughes, who just knew how to get that right you know sometimes it's silly sometimes it's big-hearted uh you know sometimes it has cartoon like violence um but it's uh it's pretty great and i, I love randy, randy quaid in the movie as cousin eddie uh which by the way i'm i'm sure all I, i'm sure all of you including everybody listening out there uh does not know but they actually made a christmas vacation too called Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. It was a TV movie. It was released on DVD. I tried to watch it. I made it, I think, 10 minutes into it. I would not recommend that on anybody. <laughs> Ever. Hey, Peter, um, can, I, can I confess something to you real quick while we're on this subject? Oh, no. Don't. I've seen, don't, don't. I've seen Christmas Vacation 2, and I've never seen Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Jacob. Oh, God. Jacob. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? 
Because uh, I never grew up with Christmas Vacation. Uh, it, just, it was never a movie that was in my family's rotation. But, but why would you watch the sequel? I was very drunk and I was alone. I had nothing better to do at Christmas. I was very sad. <laughs> That's the saddest story I've ever heard. <laughs> By the way, the Christmas Vacation 2 gets a 2.7 out of 10 on IMDb from, from users. Uh, that doesn't quite make it into one of the worst movies of all time on their list, but that's pretty close. It, it, it's did you, you actually made it all the way through that movie? Yes, I, I, I polished off most of a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I can't believe it because I, I love Christmas Vacation so much, and I, I, I could only make it in like ten fifteen minutes. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, Jacob, what is your next pick on your list? This is an obvious choice, but I, I would I would go as far as say it's my favorite movie out of all the movies listed on our entire list, uh, combining everybody's, and that's um, Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. I know the classic depiction of this movie is that it's a cheeseball, sentimental piece of claptrap, which is so inaccurate when you actually watch it, because this is a movie that earns its hopefulness. I mean, it, it came in 1946, um, right after Frank Capra left the military. It was his first movie uh, following his years uh, during World War II. And it's, it's it has that same copper sentimentality, the Capricorn, as it's called, and it ultimately ends on an uplifting, hopeful note. But it's very much the work of a man who, who saw a lot of really bad things happen to the world and is trying to grapple with them. For those of you who don't know the movie, it's about uh, George Bailey, um, played by the great James Stewart, who has given up every opportunity in his life to save his town, to save his family, to protect those he loves. And then when all seems lost uh, and he co- contemplates suicide, an angel comes to him and things take a very fantastical turn. It's very much a fantasy movie. And before it finds light down the tunnel, it is an extremely dark, powerful movie. That's very sweet and very funny at times, but also it's about how crushing life is before it reaches out and pulls you into the light and says, Hey, Things will look up if if you're surrounded by people who love you, and that seems really cheesy, and it should be really cheesy. But this movie's a gut punch. It's it just flies fast, even though it's a long movie. And I feel like if you watch this and don't relate to it, then um, I I don't know who you are. You're not a human. <laughs> Does anybody else like watch this every year and forget how dark it is before like being revitalized by it? Because I always do. I yeah, love that great. movie. Yeah. Uh, no, I agreed with you completely, Jacob. It's because it's that really harrowing kind of image of him on the bridge and about to, I guess, uh, spoiler for the film, like com- uh, not commit suicide, but contemplate suicide. That's a part that's just like, it's very unsettling. And then the rest of the movie uplifts you, but it's, it's a film that's one of the best Christmas movies, I think too. And it's a movie that used to play like nonstop on TV during Christmas times, because I think no one owned the rights to it or something like that. There was like some kind of rights issue, um, but you don't see it as much today. Uh, the next movie on my list is the Steven Spielberg produced film Gremlins, uh, directed by Joe Dante. Uh, you know, seeing this movie as a kid, it was just magical because, you know, you you always like dream of like you know, for Christmas, you getting like a dog or, you know, some kind of animal. And imagine being given, you know, this alien creature that, uh, you know, it takes you on this wild, crazy horror comedy adventure. Um, you know, Gizmo is, uh, 
I, you know, I, I've just fallen in love with Gizmo, uh, you know, a, a, a creation of Rick Baker. And, uh, he, you know, I, I, I own a prop art replica. He's in my living room. I also own a prop replica of Spike. And um, uh, Kitra and I's dog is actually named Gizmo. Uh, so, you know, th- this movie holds uh, a a big place in my heart. It You know, I, I love seeing that, you know, basically Hill Valley because they basically took the same set of Hill Valley and the Universal Backlot. And I love seeing, you know, that during Christmas time kind of get destroyed by the gremlins. I, I know it doesn't make any sense that, you know, don't feed them after midnight. Don't expose them to light up. You know, like it do- doesn't make any sense at all because, you know, when do the time start and begin? It, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It's just fun. And, uh, you know, it was written by Christopher Columbus before he, uh, you know, lost his way. <laughs> but yeah, so Gremlins. Um, Chris, what is next on your list? So all my picks so far have been sort of dark and violent. So here's one that's not, and that is the Muppet Christmas Carol, which uh, I don't know if it's the best version of a Christmas Carol, but I actually think Michael Caine's performance as Scrooge is the best on-screen Scrooge in the entire history of adapting that story into a film. And it's great. It's a charming movie. It has great songs. Uh, my wife and I actually just rewatched it over the weekend. It's a lovable film. It's a Christmas Carol with Muppets. That's it. That's there's not much more to it. It's amazing how many different versions of a Christmas Carol are on this list. Um, you know, it's kind of a story that uh, has stood the test of time and can be retold in many different ways. Um, Let's Have move you up. seen that video of uh, that somebody compiled? I think it was a year ago or maybe two years ago now, where somebody uh, told the story of a Christmas Carol through all of the different movie versions. Like you cut from one character, one iteration to the next for every plot beat. Like every line of dialogue almost is spoken by like a different version of the same characters. It's really fascinating. I'll see if I can find it and, and send it to you guys. Maybe you can put it in the show notes, Peter. I, I have not seen that, but yes, please, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. Um, H.T., what is the next movie on your list? So this is a movie I know Ben will hate, but um, I'm allowed my trashy Christmas movies. And this one is Love Actually, which is by no means a good movie, but it's a movie that I enjoy at Christmas time. And it's just a series of vignettes in sort of the time, the romance and subplots of all these different characters who eventually all meet towards the end. And yes, it did spawn a pretty bad, a lot of of bad imitators uh, that take place during every holiday now. But I really like the original and I think that it's it's underrated, even though it's quite overrated, if that (laughs) makes sense. It's just, it's a film that actually still holds as a good as a good movie i'm kind of like contradicting myself because i say it's a bad movie but it still holds as an entertaining movie um despite all the hype and uh, backlash that it's faced ht it's a really good movie and ben is wrong be be, be (laughs) proud of yourself be proud of your face it's fine (laughs) boo hiss to both of you bah humbug i say love actually is great even though it starts with an inexplicable dialogue about 9-11 and it takes place two years after 9-11 it's a fun movie and hugh grant is fun in it as is everyone else (laughs) it's really good it has that anthology film feel where instead even though they're all intercut together instead of individual like i don't enjoy the subplot but in two minutes, I'll be with somebody else I do enjoy. And I kind of enjoy bouncing around. Even if you don't like parts of it, other parts there are more charming than others. And 
it's a really sweet movie, and my wife loves it, so that's why I watch it every year. And then I think it's harmless and nice and goes down really easily. I'm a big fan. Thanks, Jacob. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> ben, what's the next movie on your list? You guys can have Love Actually. That's all I've got to say about that. Uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas is the next one on my list. The 1965 animated TV special based on the Peanuts comic strip. Um, this is another one sort of similar to Mickey's Christmas Carol in that it is, it's pretty short. It's only 25 minutes. And uh, the score of this one by the Vince Guaraldi trio, the jazz score, is basically the soundtrack to Chris, the, the entire Christmas season in my personal life. Like, that's the music that uh, as soon as, you know, November rolls around and, and uh, Thanksgiving, you know, all of my, my dishes are cleared on Thanksgiving dinner, um, I start busting out that score to really sort of get into the Christmas vibe. Um, that music is, is it's jazzy and it's really fantastic. Um, the Charlie Brown story, I think it's like the best of all of the Charlie Brown movies. Um, it's eminently rewatchable and just, uh, you know, quotable. And it has, um, you know, for, for the people who celebrate Christmas uh, because of the birth of Christ, it actually has like a, uh, a shout out to that, which it seems like a lot of um Christmas themed things sort of go out of their way to avoid any sort of uh, overtly religious um, stuff in there. But this movie like pauses for a couple minutes to like recite Bible verses, which you just don't really see these days anymore. Um, but back in the 60s, I guess uh, people were were less apt to freak out about stuff like that. Um, and yeah, the character work is great. And it really is the music for me that sort of drives this whole thing. And, and, uh, I guess is the reason for this entire pick for, uh, for me. Yeah. The, the movie is good, but the music is great. Like uh, it, what you said is perfect. You know, that it is, you know, the soundtrack of Christmas in your life. It, it definitely, uh, anytime I hear any of those tracks, it, you know, that's, what it recalls to me um yeah. jacob what is next on your list well i'm gonna very briefly go over my next one because chris already touched on it and i'll jump to my one after that and that's muppet christmas carol and I'll, I'll say a few quick things to back up uh what chris said first of all a few years ago back when cinematical was a thing i wrote there i did an article where i watched every single adaptation of a christmas story that has been made up to that point and i ranked them all because the internet and Muppet Christmas Carol is one of the best adaptations, and Michael Caine is one of the absolute best Scrooges. And because they have uh, Gonzo, the Muppet, positioned as narrator, they're allowed to not only adapt the story, but to um, adapt the context of Dickens and his writing style and the politics of it in a really wry, funny way. They're able to sort of um, explain away certain things or, or further explain things about that story that can't be told in a straightforward adaptation. I think it's really, really smart how they do that. Uh, however, I have a hard time watching it now, even though I watch it every year, because the most recent Blu-ray release cuts out a key song that's not the most exciting song in the world, but it's a very pivotal Scrooge character development, and it drives me crazy. It's the one where Scrooge's um, love of his life leaves him, um, sings the love is gone, and it's very, very sad and not and not, not fun like most of the other songs, but I miss it. I miss it big time. Um, but anyway... Uh, from a really good movie, I'm now going to recommend a really bad one. Probably the best bad Christmas movie of all time, and that's Jingle All the Way. <laughs> the 1996 Brian Levant film, which is a disaster. I just watched it two days ago, and it's the worst thing, and I love it. And for those of you who 
aren't aware of this, go watch it. It's streaming on Amazon right now. And it is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, from his era where he played ordinary American men, um, like named Howard Langston. <laughs> and it's one of, the, one of those movies where nobody ever notices that, that, that Howard Langston is an Austrian bodybuilder. He just is. <laughs> but the basic gist, you, you're probably familiar with it, is he's a busy father who misses his son's karate lesson. And his son, and he's that kind of dad. You know, the, the, the shorthand Hollywood dad. He was bad because he misses a performance that his kid does. Anyway, he tries to make up to his son by buying him the Turbo Man doll, this toy that's been all the rage this Christmas season. But naturally, nobody has it. It's sold out. What's he going to do? And it is this tacky, garish, loud, obnoxious mess. And it, it stumbles over its own themes and ideas. It's utterly wrongheaded. It celebrates Christmas commercialism. It is a nightmare, and everybody needs to watch it, damn it. It is so bad. Uh, it is an example of the kind of wrong-headed nonsense Hollywood pumps out on a yearly basis, distilled into this crystal clear, blue meth, Breaking Bad-style thing of evil beauty. Like, as somebody who writes about movies for a living, I can only look at this thing in pure astonishment and wonder, how did this get made? Why do they think this is okay? How did this happen? If you like, like to dissect things and wonder how did this go wrong, Jingle All the Way is the best Christmas movie of all time. That's it. <laughs> At one point, isn't um not Andre the Giant, but a giant from WWE uh, plays like one one of the one of the Santas in that movie? Oh no, it's just bonkers. That movie is bonkers. <laughs> and I remember at one point FX was airing twenty four hours of Jingle All the Way every Christmas, which is crazy that any network would do that uh but uh i'll use that as a segue to my next pick and that is a christmas story which uh what tnt or tbs one of those two airs 24 hours of every christmas um i you know fell in love with this movie way back when before you know being very hipsterish but before you know it was like kind of this thing that was kind of pushed on you every christmas in, in that 24-hour marathon and um I, I don't know what the first movie I saw in the theater is, but that's the first movie or that's uh, looking at release dates. I know I saw that movie in the theater and I think I was like three or four or something <laughs> when it came out. Uh, that That is definitely the oldest movie that I, I remember seeing as a young as a young kid, if that makes sense. Uh, but I, I'm, but back then, you know, movies would show again a few years later. So who knows if that is the first movie I saw in the theater. Um a Christmas story, I think, perfectly captures, even though, you know, I didn't grow up in the 50s or whenever that uh, is set, um, it, I think it perfectly captures uh, kind of that uh, that family, home, Christmas uh, time. And uh, while, you know, you know, I think everybody got kind of like uh, the package from their aunt that had the, the clothes that they never wanted and, you know, had that moment with their their father cussing on the side of the road because something went wrong. I mean, like there's so many relatable moments. And I think Gene Shepard's stories, which are uh, kind of what this has been adapted from, are just so universal and so funny, um, even though it's kind of been done to death at this point. Uh, and this is another movie, by the way that you probably don't know it, but uh, they have made a series of sequels uh, that don't have any of the characters in, or don't have any of the actors from the original movies in. Uh, there is a uh, Christmas story two, which I have never seen. And there is my summer story, which uh, further adapts uh, the stories of Gene Shepard into a, a direct to DVD movie. I've heard both are horrible. I'm sure Jacob has probably seen them, but not seen a Christmas story. <laughs> um, 
Is that true? <laughs> no, I've seen a Christmas story dozens of times. I have not seen sequels. Don't worry, Peter. I'm normal enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, next on, on the list is Chris. What is your next pick? Uh, so this is another really film that doesn't really count as a Christmas movie, but I'm going to list it anyway. And that is uh, Todd Haynes' film Carol, starring Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Uh, it's set during Christmas. Um, it's, you know, I feel like everyone knows what this movie is by this, this point, but it's about, you know, Rooney Mara is this lonely shop girl in the 50s, and she falls in love with Kate Blanchett's character, and they sort of go on a road trip together. And uh, one of my best movie-going experiences was last year at the Metrograph Theater in New York, which is uh, one of those indie theaters that shows old films on, you know, like 35 millimeter. Uh, they screened that right around Christmas time. And at the time, my wife and I were in New York for a weekend. So we went to the theater and saw it. And the the cinematographer of the film, Ed Lockman, was there and he, he introduced it. And it was just this really nice night out just going to the movies right around christmas time and we came out and it was just cold it was just it was a good experience and i just love the movie in general ht what do you have left on your list so my last film is not really a film but it's one of the many christmas specials that air during the holidays it's it's dr seuss's how the grinch stole christmas so this is the uh 1966 animated tv special by chuck jones not the one starring jim carrey which is a fine film but i always tend to prefer the animated version just because it sticks much closer to the dr seuss book and it's a lot more it's less um sort of winking and glib as live action movies starring Jim Carrey uh, are want to be. So I I love this TV special, this film, and I will watch it every year and um, several times over. So it's it's a wonderful film, the wonderful film that I recently learned is narrated by Borlas Karloff. So that's a really cool fun fact, um, and I recommend watching it every year. And Ben, this is also the last film on your list. Yes, and I uh, echo everything HT just said, and especially preferring the animated version. I, I just rewatched uh, Ron Howard's live action version. Um, I guess it was probably last week, like just a few days ago. And uh, I read that um, Roger Ebert in his review of that movie said that uh, Jim Carrey works as hard as an actor has ever worked in a movie in in his performance as the Grinch. And I think that's accurate. I think Jim Carrey does a really good job portraying that character in that movie but the the movie around him is not that great um the production design is is pretty amazing and they actually have a lot of the set still constructed on the back lot you can see it on the back lot tour at universal studios in hollywood um so i was sure that this movie won like you know best uh, production do- design at the oscars but actually crouching tiger hidden dragon beat it that year so i was, I was doing all sorts of research over the past couple days about this movie but yeah back to the the animated one the the um the songs in that film are so great too. I remember somebody, I think it was a Twitter user. This was probably years ago. was like the song. You're a mean one. Mr. Grinch was like, is full of devastating owns or something. There's some sort of uh, clever tweet about that. Um, and I just laugh every time I hear the insults and the, you know, all the, the comedic aspects of that particular song, you know, comparing the Grinch to all these terrible things. Um, and I think the, uh, the animated movie does a good job of, 
you know, having that sort of, that sort of anti-commercialism streak without beating you over the head with it like the live action version does. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to that film. And Jacob, what is your last and final pick? Uh, this could be a controversial one. I'm not sure because I know some people really hate this movie and it's also very recent. So it hasn't achieved any kind of status yet. But this is uh, Krampus, the, uh, Michael Doherty's um, 2015 uh, horror comedy movie about a family under siege in their home by the evil version of Santa Claus who has come to teach them a lesson um, during Christmas season. It's very much the anti-jingle all the way. And that's about characters who are punished for being jerks during Christmas as opposed to being rewarded with parades. Um, but it is a really funny, dark, nasty movie with some of the best practical creature designs of the past decade or so. There's some monsters in this, in this movie who are unbelievable in their design and construction. There's also some unfortunate CGI characters who don't work as well, but the practical stuff is amazing, and the kid actors are really good in it. Tony Collette is one of the mothers, is like one of those actresses who just kind of grounds the movie around or helps you sell how absurd it is. And even Adam Scott and David Koechner, actors who are usually known for their uh, comedic roles, uh, do a really good like deadpan job of um, selling terror as opposed to actually making laughs happen. The comedy really comes from how absurd and horrible things get as opposed to jokes. And this movie, I've had arguments with people out there hate this movie, hate its ending, hate its style, uh, hate its messages. <laughs> but um, I, I, I am a big fan of it, and I've watched it every year since it came out, I guess two years now. Um, <laughs> I, it, it's or maybe three years at this point. Uh, it hits the Blu-ray player uh, every December, and I'm a big fan. I think it's going to become one of those movies people watch every every uh, Christmas for people future. I mean, and maybe not Gremlins-level quality for some people, but it's... It has that same nasty, mean, but also jolly vibe that I really enjoy this time of the year. See, I, I think it's a fine movie. It's just uh, what Mike Doherty's Trick or Treat means to me in for the Halloween time. Like I, I had such high expectations for this, and it didn't quite uh, hit on those levels, I feel. Um, I actually really liked Krampus. I didn't have high expectations like you, Peter. I kind of caught it randomly while I was um, airing on HBO. And I was both baffled and intrigued by this premise. And I really like that it pulls from real mythology, which is the um, the German mythology of there being sort of a, a goat-horned uh, counterpoint or counterpart to Santa Claus who uh, abducts children. So it's, it's interesting because it's tied into this really creepy mythology, but then it takes it to another weird sort of campy level in a way but it has like a very bleak ending like you said those were wonderful times um okay we've talked about the movie the holiday movies we love let's talk about the uh, holiday movies we e- either hate or love to hate or are somehow intrigued with even though they're not good i will start things off and my pick is santa claus the movie uh this is a movie that came out uh i think late 80s is that correct um 19 no uh, mid mid 80s 1985 and uh it stars uh john lithgow dudley moore um and uh 
David Huddleston as Santa. Um, th- this movie, I think, I, I would argue. I-, I know, Chris, you wanted to put this on your list as well, and I had this on my list before uh, you got to it. Uh, this movie, I feel like, is half a good concept. Like this movie attempts to tell the origin stories of Santa Claus and it kind of brings it in this kind of epic grand scope and has great production design and feels uh, like, you know, I guess it's trying to explain like, you know, why do the reindeers fly and all these like things, the mysteries of Christmas. And I kind of dig that aspect of the movie. But then there's this other aspect of the movie that takes place in uh, modern day, or I guess the 80s, and uh, it's with Dudley Moore, who plays one of Santa's elves. He decides to uh, leave Santa and start his own Christmas, uh, along with John Lithgow, who plays, I guess, some corporate executive who wants to uh, make Christmas too. So he's making a sequel to Christmas, and Dudley Moore is using the the uh, illicit drugs that they give the reindeer to make them fly, and he's taking those drugs and producing them as candy for kids to consume that allows them to fly. And it's the most absurd, uh, horrible uh, movie. Chris, do you, what, what is your feeling on this film? Well, I just want to say, so yeah, it's candy canes and this movie ends with John Lithgow. He's about to get arrested. So he eats all the candy canes and he flies into space and he, he basically dies in space as he tries to get away from the cops. So he, he meets a terrible end. Um, <laughs> Spoilers but, for Santa Claus of the movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, what, what I love about this movie is the, the origin of it. So, yeah. uh, Ilya Salkind, who was one of the producers of the Superman franchise, the original franchise, was like, you know, we need our own property because they don't, you know, they didn't own Superman. We want our own uh, superhero that we don't have to pay rights to. And they thought, well, Santa Claus is in the public domain. So let's just make Santa Claus our superhero. And they tried to make, you know, the origin story of Santa Claus. And the end result is just insane. This movie is nuts it makes no sense uh there's a lot of product placement like there's a shot where someone is like just staring through a mcdonald's window and it zooms in on the french fries because they just had to i I remember as a kid getting a mcdonald's happy meal that came with like a santa claus the movie book or something so they they totally had a a product tie-in for this film yeah it's I, i would say this movie is almost worth seeing just for how uh goofy it is and for that ending where john lithgow dies by flying into space yeah um yeah i would i would recommend it despite it being a very bad movie uh brad what is what is your pick for uh your disliked holiday movie there's a lot of really bad holiday movies out there but one of the ones that i just remember being so uh frustrated and mad and just disappointed with and and for just a multitude of reasons is uh, Robert Zemeckis's recent adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Uh, there are endless adaptations of the classic Charles Dickens book out there. Many of them are not all that interesting. Um, some of them are particularly bad. This one, just despite being modern and despite having the presence of Jim Carrey and Gary Oldman and Colin Firth... Uh, this but Jim movie, Carrey it, plays so many characters. Oh, neat! Uh, gosh, I can't. I, I love movies where they, they the one actor plays multiple <laughs> characters. That's why The Nutty Professor is, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, God, this movie is just—it's so bafflingly 
bad. The it's too much Jim Carrey. It's it's him being weird. I get so creeped out when he becomes the the candle spirit and he's like talking like he's on Quaaludes or something. He's like, "Come on, Scrooge, let's go." And then like aside from that, this is the the time when Zemeckis was obsessed with motion capture animation. And granted, this is the best that it's ever looked. The problem is the characters still look dead because their eyes are lifeless and they look soulless. And the the design of some of these characters is so unnerving and creepy and weird that like you can't you don't even get to care about them. You're just like entranced by how odd they look because they're they tried to make them look somewhat realistic, but not realistic like humans, realistic in this weird world where people just look like monsters. And just it's just one of the worst adaptations of what is supposed to be such a nice, heartwarming uh, Christmas tale, and they just it's just ruined in this movie, totally ruined. I know we were talking about the worst uh, holiday movies of all time, but I'm wondering what, what do you think is the best uh, version of a Christmas Carol? I'm up at Christmas Carol. I'm up at Christmas Carol. Does anybody yeah. disagree? Does anybody have a better one? Uh, I mean, is Scrooge? Maybe years ago, uh, Peter, I wrote an article for the, the late simathel.com where I watched as many versions of a Christmas Carol as I possibly could and compared them all. I ended up, I think I, I watched maybe a dozen of them or so. And I think the original, the one from the 50s with Alistair Sim was my favorite. It's the most faithful to Dickens' work. It, uh, it holds up as a dramatic piece in addition to be a Christmas piece. It leans into the themes of the novel about you know, uh, social justice and, um, and, and being in. in Finding time to better yourself as a human being, uh, and not just being like cheerful Christmas nonsense, which I, which I feel like a lot of them do lean into uh, instead of like understanding what Dickens was going for. I agree with uh, Brad that Muppet Christmas Carol is excellent. It's actually a really, really good adaptation of that material, but the the 50s Christmas Carol for me is top notch. The one with uh, George C. Scott from the 80s is also pretty damn good. I'd also like to give a shout out to the Doctor Who Christmas special <laughs> called Doctor Who A Christmas Carol, which gives a fun sci-fi twist to uh, the sto- the classic story with Michael Gambon as the Scrooge-like character. So on brand. Okay, <laughs> let, let's talk about another, uh, I guess, adaptation of that. Chris, I know you have another Christmas film that you don't like that is based on that source material. Yes, uh, I'll premise this by saying when I was younger, I, I was obsessed with A Christmas Carol because, you know, it was the, the rare Christmas story that had ghosts in it. And that was like, <laughs> it was like my favorite thing in the world. And I, I want to echo, actually echo what Jacob said. The Alistair Sim version is phenomenal. It, it's great. And it's actually like, it has like some shockingly like creepy moments in it, which I think a lot of, I think a lot of adaptations forget to lean into the fact that, you know, these are ghosts and it should be somewhat creepy. So that, that one is, is actually genuinely creepy at times. But that said, uh, the film on my list here is the the 1970 Scrooge, which is a musical adaptation of The Christmas Carol, starring Al- Albert Finney and Alec Guinness and a few more people, and it is awful. Um, you know, I, I like musicals, but there's of all the songs in this movie, there's only one that's good. The rest are are really bad, and when I say really bad, I mean awful. Like for some reason, everyone in this movie doesn't know how to sing and they probably should have realized that before casting them because they're all awful. Like Al- Albert Finney, great actor. He cannot sing. So he basically talk sings 
all his lines and it gets really, really distracting where he's just like talking while music is playing and it doesn't work. And it's just, it's really bad. And I've tried to watch this several times to like give it a chance. And every time I watch it, I, I die a little bit inside. So Scrooge from 1970, go watch it. It's a bad movie. I also watched this one for the article. It's terrible. <laughs> the music is so bad. Uh, it's, it's yeah. You know, I, I would actually I would recommend everyone out there go to YouTube and just look up a song called Father Christmas from this movie. It's like the opening song. It's so like off key that it will it will like make your head hurt. So please go out there and listen to this and get a headache. Yeah, I, I I do not want to do that. Um, I, I think my favorite <laughs> adaptation of a Christmas Carol is Scrooge. Um, if that if you could consider that an adaptation, although yeah, I really do. Good. I do love uh, Muppet Christmas Carol quite a bit as well. Um, okay. Uh, you know, Brad mentioned Robert Zemeckis' A Christmas Carol, and that is not the only Robert Zemeckis film on this list. HT, you also dislike a Zemeckis Christmas movie. Yes. Um, my least favorite Christmas movie is The Polar Express, which was kind of the precursor to um, Zemeckis' A Christmas Carol in that it used uh, computer animated um, animation uh, to try to create a sort of lifelike Christmas movie and end up creating this incredibly uncanny and creepy effect with all the characters having dead eyes and even Tom Hanks um, wonderful warm voice can't save this movie because it is absolutely just dreadful. I, a lot of this, my hate for this movie stems from the fact that um, my mom got me this DVD when I was a kid and my sister for some unfathomable reason loved this movie. So she would watch it all the time (laughs) and I just, it just builds my hatred towards it because it's just so bad and boring and just very creepy and I do not like anything about it despite at the time it being you know heralded as some great feat of CG animation it just does not look good and the characters are just just creep me out so much and were definitely the bane of many of my nightmares for a long time so um, this is the movie for me that just I cannot stand and will have like a a visceral reaction against whenever someone talks about it but but it allows tom hanks to play multiple characters yeah but ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on to ben i will, I, I will say the one good thing to come out of the polar express i i do love josh groban's song believe that uh, he created for, for specifically for this movie thanks mom <laughs> Shut up! I like heartwarming. I'm sorry that you don't you don't have a, a wonderful warm heart for Christmas, Jacob. I'm okay. I love you, Brad. <laughs> well, he, he he does hate uh, he does hate Home Alone. So uh, let's move on to Ben. Uh, your film is what is Four Christmases, uh, and I have to admit, I I tried to watch this for the first time last year and couldn't even get through it, so I feel like I'm, I'm kind of cheating because I technically haven't even watched the whole thing, but the first 45 minutes were so bad that I had to turn it off and just abandon ship, and I almost never do that for any movie, but uh, man, Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon are in this movie, and they play a couple who has to visit all four of their divorced parents in one day and 
there is like fat shaming and gay panic jokes galore. There is it's like the worst version of this premise because the premise is actually like pretty decent for a holiday kind of movie. It's like, oh, yeah, I can easily see how this concept sold in the room. But the actual execution of the script, it's like they go for the easiest joke every single time. Uh, Vaughn and Witherspoon are both on complete autopilot here. Seth Gordon directs this movie. This is his first studio movie after making uh, the really great documentary, The King of Kong. So that was a huge disappointment that this is like his first big movie out of the gate. Um, and man, I, I just, I, John Favreau plays Vince Vaughn's brother, who is like a, an extreme, like an MMA guy, and they like wrestle in their in their uh, dad's living room, who's Robert Duvall, and one of some character falls off the roof. Uh, what's her What's her name? Uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon's character is apparently terrified of inflatable castles for some reason, and she gets peed on by a child. I mean, it, it's like this movie is is disastrous in every way, and uh, yeah, I, I honestly could not. I couldn't stomach the idea of finishing it. That's how bad it was. You are not missing anything by watching the rest of that movie. This was a movie that my entire family and I went to go see uh, when it came out around that that year at Christmas. And I was so mad and disappointed because it was so, so awful. Uh, I just, I I left. I was just shaking my head. I was like, I can't believe we all just wasted our money and time on seeing that movie because it's just, it is atrocious. I will chime in and say that is a bad movie, which is unfortunate because the cast is good and there's kind of an inherent comedy in the extremely short Reese Witherspoon standing next to extremely tall Vince Vaughn, but they just completely squandered that. Yeah. I can't disagree with any of these entries until we get to Jacob's entry. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob, what is your uh, most disliked holiday movie? It is the worst popular movie of the 90s, and that is Home Alone. <laughs> the, <Boo. laughs> the 1990 oh, Christmas awesome. you, you are so wrong. Classic. Worst I, of the 90s? Is that what you just said? <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard you didn't like this movie, but saying it's like your most hated Christmas movie? Come on. It is the worst popular movie of the 90s. It is you, the worst oh. popular movie maybe of all time. You uh, hate Joy, Jacob. Oh I God. hate Macaulay Culkin to my core. I think he is impossible to watch. You, you don't like him in he The is... Good Son? No, I don't. I think I think that he's a bad actor. And I think this movie hinges entirely on whether or not you like Kevin McAllister. Whether or not, it hinges entirely on Macaulay Culkin's performance. And he's bad. He's not charming. His line delivery stinks. He's not funny. The movie <sighs> built around him does, it does not hold up the scrutiny. I think he's a lousy actor, and the movie falls apart around him because of it. The movie is in love with him. The movie thinks he's great, and the rest of the world thinks he's great, but I don't. Home Alone sucks. Uh, J- I, just... <laughs> I, I, I want to come in here to, to Jacob's defense uh, ever so slightly. I don't think this is the worst movie of the 90s. That would be pushing it. And I don't think Showgirls came out in the 90s. It wasn't popular. Worst popular movie of the 90s. But um, I do agree that Kevin is an awful little shit and i, but I have supposed a really to be an awful little shit yeah, especially in the I first half that too yeah but i don't think that the movie hinges on you being sympathetic to him because he is a terrible person but you can still enjoy the movie regardless of whether no, you but like him or not. i want the wet bandits to win that's how much i dislike this kid like i <laughs> like that scene at the end where joe pesci is like i'm gonna bite your fingers off i'm like good do it bite that stupid kid's <laughs> fingers off chris gets it <sighs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Mortal Kombat came out in the 90s. Mortal Kombat is a better movie than Home Alone. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! You, 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 you know what? With, with with Mortal Kombat, Paul Thomas Anderson went for a tone, and he achieves that tone. Oh. Home Alone, Chris oh. Columbus is like, I want to be a heartwarming Looney Tunes cartoon, and fails on both fronts. Screw this movie. I hope Shang Tsung takes your soul, and you go straight to hell. I, I'm so disappointed with how this has <laughs> gone. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe you're so adamant against Home Alone. Home Alone. Is 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 so good. All right, why is it what good, about... Brad? Go, go to his defense, Brad. Wait, 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 I, I, wait, wait. I posted in the Slack channel. There's this YouTuber named Patrick H. Wilms, I think. Wilms, yeah. 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 Who did this video essay about Home Alone and why it's great? Jacob, did you watch the video essay? No, I have a job, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's. A, I will say it's a very good video essay. Yeah. It actually made me appreciate the movie a little bit more than I did in the past. But I still don't love it as much as some people. I love the soundtrack. The John Williams soundtrack is really good, so there's that. I'll give you that. The score belongs in a better movie. Oh, boy. You're just... Okay. I'm going to link this video. The way that you said, I have a job, Peter, makes it sound like all people who love Hum Alone are jobless losers. (laughs) Yeah. They're all shoveling the... the, um, They're all characters waiting for a future Home Alone sequel where they get to teach somebody a lesson. Like, Peter, Brad, all of you, you stand around waiting for a kid to need your help so you can teach them the importance of Christmas. That's what you are. I, I posted the, the video essay by Patrick H. Williams in the morning watch, so technically watching it is part of your job. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to link it in the show notes because I think this is essential watching for everybody listening to this podcast episode. I love Patrick's video essays, and uh, I think he per- puts the, puts it perfectly why this movie is a great uh, – not just a great Christmas movie, a great movie, but um, but Jacob strongly disagrees. Yes, and you, and you know what? I'm I'm aware of how in the minority I am, so don't run on the Twitter to yell at me. Uh, I, I'm not going to actually seriously go to your face and say you're a shitty person for liking Home Alone. It just it, it has never worked for me. It's a movie that I wish I liked because so many people love it, but I put it in the same camp as the Goonies. It's a movie that I I I wish I liked it, but I find it very shrill. I find it hard to watch. I find it dated in ways that do not work for me so like i said you are you're not a bad person for liking it in fact i am probably the bad person here i i i wholly know that did you grow up watching home alone or did you not watch it until you were an adult i grew up watching it and uh, re- revisited it and then said oof oh no so huh interesting what about home alone 2 lost in new york home alone 2 lost in new york is a good movie <laughs> what? Uh, you are God. insane. You're I don't understand you, Jacob. <laughs> oh my God! Please just leave it at that. I really just want everyone listening to this to be so mystified by that statement that you've never actually given a follow up. I enjoy Home Alone too, but it's not a good movie. Did you even like the magical homeless man that appeared in that movie? No, it's a woman. Oh, a woman. Sorry, the, the bird lady. The bird lady. That's who she was. Home Alone 2 is the Transformers Ridge of the Fallen of Home Alone movies. I mean, like a <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, you know, I think almost a decade ago, Fox News declared a war on Christmas. And uh, earlier this uh, month, Jacob Hall on this podcast declared a war on Die Hard Christmas. And here's how it started. Let's move on to a new poll, which shows that most people do not consider Die Hard to actually be a Christmas movie. Chris, tell us about it. 
Yes. Yeah, so every year around this time, this argument crops up where some people insist Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and then some people say it's not. Uh, so in, in with the hopes of putting this argument to bed, which will clearly never happen, uh, a poll was run by The Hollywood Reporter and this company called Morning Consult, and uh, I'm not going to give you, you know, the facts and figures, but basically it boils down to this. More people think Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie than think it is. So in other words, according to this poll, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, like I said, this this argument will probably never die down, but that's where it stands according to this poll, at least for now. But they have like Die Hard Christmas books. Isn't that enough to prove that it's a Christmas movie at this point? I mean, look, according to me, I, I think it is a Christmas movie, but obviously I'm I guess I'm in the minority, according to, the, the, to this poll. You know, I guess we should discuss, you know, what actually makes a movie a Christmas movie? Hey, Peter. Hi, uh, Peter. It, Jacob? Yes. <laughs> yes. It, hi, Peter. I, I heard you say what makes a Christmas movie and I warped onto the podcast as soon as possible because I have very strong opinions wow. about this subject. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast slash well, managing editor, Jacob Hall. Hello. Uh, I'll start with a question. I have a question for all of you. Uh, would you watch Elf in July? <sighs> I guess <laughs> no. I guess not. No. So would I, you watch Die Hard in July? Well, <sighs> See, yeah. I would say no. I would, yeah. watch, I would watch Elf in July simply because of all the Christmas in July promotions. <laughs> <laughs> so Jacob anyway, picked the worst possible example <laughs> month. <laughs> anyway, my, my gonzo opinion, the one that I'm told I'm psychotic for having, and you guys can let me have it in a second, is that a Christmas movie is just between a Christmas movie and a movie set at Christmas. A Christmas movie can only be watched and fully enjoyed in December, or is a movie set at Christmas, like Die Hard or Batman Returns or It's a Wonderful Life, can be enjoyed year-round. I would never watch Elf outside of December. I would never watch uh, Polar Express outside of, outside of December. I would never watch The Grinch or Rudolph outside of December, because that would be a crazy thing to do, because they are Christmas movies. Whereas you can enjoy Die Hard, a movie set at Christmas, but not about Christmas, where you can remove the Christmas from it and it's still the same movie. <laughs> And that, look, if you can remove Christmas from the plot, the plot still functions the same. It is not a Christmas movie. And that applies to Die Hard, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, and all those movies. So they are you're, not Christmas movies. Wait, if you remove, the Christmas, if, you remove the, if you remove the Christmas from Die Hard, then what kind of party are they having yeah. at the time? My are wife they... has office parties every other month for all kinds of things. It's a corporate oh, thing. Everyone has oh, parties. Oh, they have parties where, where people are dressed up like, like Santa Claus and stuff like that? And... <laughs> you don't you, you, Die Hard does not <laughs> eat Santa Claus. You take, Die, you take Santa Claus from Die Hard, it's the same movie. What's, what's John McClane going to write on that guy's sweatshirt? Hey, 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 it's an office party. I got a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> Any other great line of dialogue, because you know what? Die Hard is full of amazing, like witty, memorable dialogue. It has nothing to do with Christmas. They'll come up with something else. <laughs> I, I've I've worked with Jacob for years now, very closely. You know, he's the managing editor of the site. We've argued over, you know, what should be on the site, what shouldn't be on the site. I've never, ever heard him be this <laughs> this passionate about, uh, I don't know, his feelings on something other than, you know, the, does anybody have an argument against this? Like, I feel like I would watch Elf in, like, July. See, I I sort of see what Jacob is saying, but I also like I consider Eyes Wide Shut a Christmas movie because Christmas is all over that movie, and I would never watch Eyes Wide Shut 
in like July because I would feel weird. I always watch it in December. So I think in some ways I'm agreeing with Jacob, but I'm also allowing for more movies into into that uh, that classification that he is. Because the same thing with like Edward Scissorhands. Like I'd feel weird watching that in April, but I, I would gladly watch it this month because it has so much Christmas, uh, you know, uh, visuals in it, Christmas imagery. Yeah, I think it's I, I think what this boils down to is uh, a feeling versus an aesthetic. And Chris seems to be more open to uh, defining a Christmas movie based on a film's aesthetic and whether or not it has like Christmas decorations and lights and stuff like that in it. And Jacob seems to be more in tune with like, does this movie give you that special Christmas feeling, which is like uh, more ineffable than, um, you know, than, than demonstrable, I think in a lot of cases, but, and, and so I, I kind of on, you know, if, if you're drawing that line, I kind of am on Jacob's side, except earlier in, in the Slack channel, Jacob mentioned that it's a wonderful life is not a Christmas movie because if you take Christmas out of it, it still, you know, fits his requirements of like just being a drama that you could watch anytime. And I firmly feel like it's a wonderful life as a Christmas movie. So I don't know. I, I'm like one, one leg in one leg out on this one. I think. Ben, are you implying that you can't be generous 11 months out of the year that you wouldn't rush to your fellow man's aid in <laughs> September it has to be in December. Is that the argument you're making here no, on this podcast? Ben? No, the, the argument is that <laughs> it's a wonderful life gives me that ineffable Christmas feeling, whereas a lot of other movies do not. So therefore I consider it on my personal scale, a Christmas movie. Wait, Jacob, then what about Gremlins? Is Gremlins a Christmas movie? Gremlins is really tough because it's soaked in Christmas imagery. Uh, But I think that because Gremlins exists to subvert the imagery and to, like, take the piss out of it and to, like, really be nasty about it, that doesn't quite qualify. It is is a subversion of Christmas as opposed to embracing of Christmas. So, So Gremlins is totally fine for July. How about You've Got Mail? You've Got Mail is not a Christmas movie. It is a movie set at Christmas. Also, you've got mail isn't even really mostly set at Christmas, so I don't I don't even consider that a Christmas movie like at all. Yeah, I think there has to be like a certain ratio because, you know, as Lethal Weapon also takes place during Christmas, the first one, but I don't really classify that as Christmas because there's only like one scene where you see Christmas stuff, and the rest of the movie is very non-Christmassy. Whereas Die Hard, it's all set in one place around Christmas time, and that makes it feel more Christmassy. I don't know. I know. I know. None of this is official. This is just how I look at it. <laughs> I just want to put out one more thing before people yell at me about this. I'm not saying you can't watch Gremlins or Die Hard in December or at Christmas. That's fine. You, you're welcome to. They, they are great for the season. I just would not pigeonhole them as Christmas movies. I hope that makes sense. Hmm. You know, some people actually consider some of the Harry Potter movies and Lord of the Ring movies to be Christmas movies. Because they were released at that time, and because people like that, uh, everyone, the movies people watched in theaters with their families like when they came out in the, in this season years ago. So I get it. I get why that's a, a comforting thing to do, but they're not Christmas movies. <laughs> so for you, the bottom line is if you could remove Christmas from the movie and it would still be basically the same movie, it's not a Christmas movie? That would be my definition, yes. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy those movies at Christmas time, but I do think that the average Christmas movie tends to be not very good for this reason. Like Die Hard is a great movie. It's better than pretty much any other Christmas movie out there. Um, but like Miracle 34th Street, the original one from the 40s, I adore that movie. It's wonderful and lovely. Maybe the high watermark of what a Christmas movie can be. 
but if you remove Christmas from that movie, the entire thing falls apart. It is built on a foundation of Christmas and the holiday season. Whereas Die Hard, like we discussed earlier, office party. You don't need the Christmas. Hmm. But uh, so you're almost suggesting that a Christmas movie is not as good as a normal movie. I think that, that once you real, once you take into account movies that are fundamentally about Christmas and can and fall under my admittedly possibly crazy definition of what a Christmas movie is, there aren't that many great Christmas movies. I think there are a lot of comforting Christmas movies, a lot of really lovely Christmas movies, a lot of very fun Christmas movies, but very few of them um, have any interest in being great movies. They want to be comfort food, which is fine for the season. That, that's what we want out of the season. We want a, something pleasant to enjoy with our families. So I get it. But I think I only need one hand to count, like, maybe the Christmas movies I think are legit great films, uh, whereas I would need, you know, a couple dozen hands to count the great movies that are set at Christmas. Hmm. How crazy How crazy am I? <laughs> am I crazy? <laughs> Shane Black is going to hear this podcast and weep somewhere. <laughs> like, I feel like those Charlie Brown, I guess, those, are those movies or TV specials? They're, they're TV specials. I mean that that the Charlie Brown Christmas has to be a Christmas thing. It's it's literally about Christmas. You can't remove that. What, no what, one's arguing that, right? Wait, I got one. What about the Nightmare Before Christmas? The Jacob? Halloween movie, man. No, that's a Christmas movie. It's a Halloween. It, it, it's about Halloween conquering Christmas, and how Halloween is better than Christmas. It's <laughs> yeah, a Halloween movie all around. It starts when Halloween is over. Halloween has ended when that movie starts. It can't but be a Halloween movie. It's a celebration of Halloween and about how Christmas is, ne- Christmas is never going to fulfill you as much as Halloween will. Halloween's always going to be there for you, or Christmas lets you down. It leaves you spiraled on the ground after your sleigh is shot down. Uh, worthless, man. Christmas is a worthless holiday. Halloween wins. That's the message of Nightmare Before Christmas. Wow. Oh, boy. This, this took a, a dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh... I'm, All right, I'm, now let's talk about Hanukkah movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's lots of listeners out there that are disagreeing with everything that's being said on this podcast. Okay, then a week later, on December 13th, 2018, a reader wrote in responding to Jacob's Christmas movie rant, and Jacob got to respond. Here's a clip from that episode. Okay, uh, Stephen B. writes in in response to our Christmas movie argument. We got a lot of response to that Christmas movie argument. Uh, People love how passionate you are about this, uh, Jacob, but they disagree with you. Uh, (laughs) uh, He writes in that uh, most films are not just one genre. 21 Jump Street is a comedy but is also an action movie. Shaun of the Dead is a comedy but also a horror movie. In that vein, he says Die Hard is an action film, a heist film, and also a Christmas movie. The whole reason John McClane is in the film, uh, or is in Los Angeles in the first place, is to see his family for Christmas. Uh, They're playing the Christmas music in the limo. They debate cutting power to a portion of the city because it's Christmas. The thieves did not pick that day at random. Christmas is a plot point in the film. It could have been written for John to have come to L.A. to see his family for Holly's birthday or the kids' school recital. But then it loses something for the plot. Could planes, trains, and automobiles work as a Christmas movie instead of for Thanksgiving? Yes. But it would lose something that Thanksgiving gives to that movie. If the genre, including the holiday, has a plot point in the film, then taking it away and, and taking away it lessens the film, then he thinks it's reasonable to count it as part of the film's description. For those reasons, he thinks Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um 
what, what do you have to say about that, Jacob? I'll, I think all the details he mentions are, are, are texture, like uh, all the Christmas stuff, the Christmas music, uh, the decorations, uh, uh, the, the discussion about to shut down power on Christmas Eve. It's, it's all in service of the film's basic look and its setting. But I still feel very strongly that you could have had John McClane fly down on New Year's Eve or fly down for a random office party or fly down because he has reconciled with his wife just enough to have uh, earned this meeting with her. I, I think if, if you, you change any of that, and the movie still functions perfectly fine. I, I also I disagree that Chris movie is necessarily <clears throat> a genre in the same way that a comedy is or the same way that a horror is. It, I mean, it's very clearly a definition. I'm not sure if I'd call it a genre. Uh, it's all, but at this point, we're just splitting hairs. I mean, I think what CB here says is is totally fine. It, it makes total sense. It's just not something that uh, I don't. It's not something I agree with, and I'm never going to convince him otherwise. Uh, but yeah, I. But when it comes down to Die Hard specifically, I feel very strongly that all the stuff he mentions uh, does is not necessary. It is cool that it's there. It adds to the feeling of the movie. It increases the sense of that time and place. But you take it out, and I don't think it's missed. I, I do have one movie to bring up to you. I want to see what your feelings on this. What about Home Alone? Because I feel like I could watch Home Alone outside of the Christmas season and enjoy it. But I feel like that is definitely a Christmas movie. Oh, man. I, I think Home Alone is a Christmas movie. I also think it's hard to watch outside of the holiday season. Um, personally, I'm not a big fan of it. Last time I revisited it, I was kind of I kind of was cringing my way through it. I actually prefer the sequel a lot more. Um but yeah, I, I remember even when I was younger, uh, much younger, I had it on VHS. I would break it out every late November and watch it a few times throughout December. But I can't imagine like watching it in August or May. I, I just can't. Ben HD, would would either of you watch Home Alone outside of the Christmas season? Am I insane? No, I would watch it because I think it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, but I I don't have like the a strict. Um, sort of standard for Christmas movies like you guys have this argument is really funny to me because I'm just like yeah it's it's Christmas I like watching Christmas movies sometimes at that season sometimes outside of that season so it doesn't matter to me as long as it's a good movie that I enjoy and maybe like brings back some nostalgia of the season I'm I'm with Jacob on this one there's no way I could watch it outside of December (laughs) okay okay um so yes, this is the only uh, place where you will see a a uh, clip episode where we're playing clips from something that happened only a week or two ago. But it, it's fine. I'm sure people love revisiting this stuff. But we have a new segment now because we've decided to let Jacob judge this. We've given him the gavel, and he's going to be the judge, jury, and executioner in deciding if these movies are Christmas movies or not. So first of all, Slash Film Daily uh, listener Cade wrote in, and he actually wanted to know what Jacob thought of this. He wanted to know if if Jacob thinks Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. No, it is not. Uh, Batman Returns is a really good movie. It's one I like a lot. But I, I feel like the Christmas uh, aesthetic is used is just that, an aesthetic. Uh, clearly, Tim Burton wants the grotesqueness of the penguin and his uh, henchmen to contrast with the jolly look of the holidays wants this Gotham lit by this ironic, you know, Christmas glow. It is all in service of a juxtaposition of making the villain look more heinous 
than it is about actually being a Christmas movie because that movie actually has no Christmas themes. You you take Christmas from it, and you're just you're simply losing the film's look. You're not losing anything about the story or the characters. Okay, I, I put together a list of films here. I want you to respond, and if anybody disagrees, you know, chime in as well. Uh, but these are a list of movies that you know are somewhat ambiguous. And we're starting off with the sound of music. Uh, no, in, in no way whatsoever is the sound of music a Christmas movie. I mean, it's something I can imagine families watching at Christmas. It's very much a come together, let's torture ourselves for three hours with a very long movie uh, family tradition. It's a movie I kind of have a soft spot for. Uh, but I don't see how it's a Christmas movie in any way whatsoever. It's 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 just a family movie. I know one filmmaker we're probably going to have some disagreements with is uh, Shane Black. Um, let's talk about – and he wrote Lethal Weapon. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So what do you think about Lethal Weapon? Uh, once again, Shane Black loves Christmas. So many of his movies, both directed and screenplays, are set at Christmas time. Once again, I think it's just that Shane Black – really likes the image of LA at Christmas time. He likes this you know this uh arid, you know, um, you know, West Coast city decorated with all these uh uh lights and decorations you associate, you know, with the winter with snow. It's an odd visual. It's something that um is instantly quirky, instantly memorable, and it lends, you know, this nice look and nice texture to Lethal Weapon. But I also don't think that it matters. I don't, I think you can watch Lethal Weapon at Christmas time and get away with it. Uh but Nothing in that movie enforces the idea of Christmas. Nothing in that movie is about Christmas. None of the characters barely reference Christmas. So I, I have a hard time justifying it as a Christmas movie. Okay, then. Um, how, how about uh, Casablanca? I, I, I feel like nobody's disagreed thus far. Are we all on the same page that those movies are not Christmas? Does the, sound of music, does the sound of music have anything to do with Christmas at all? I don't remember any Christmas parts in that movie. Yeah. But. I don't I'm know. Maybe there's snow. Christmas. I don't know. I think, I think, it, I think it just gets played around the holidays, and so people like yeah. call it a Christmas movie because of that. Well, that's yeah. I would definitely say no. Then just like um, they they always play Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory around Christmas too, yeah, and that's yeah. not it's, a Christmas movie at all. It's gonna actually like one, have. Sorry, again. Oh, I think there's like one major scene that takes place like during Christmas time, and that's the scene where the kids perform for like the party. Oh, I think. yeah. See, if it's yeah. like one scene, no no way. It has to have like, you know, for me, Batman Returns is a Christmas movie, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely see where Jacob is coming from here, and it is the crazy zone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, uh, a question, Peter. This might be on your list, but I want to butt in and ask Jacob about this one. What about Bad Santa? Like, I automatically, I would think yes, but I know that you're uh personal rules may give you a, a different reading on this where like theoretically he could just be you know if you replaced his job with some other job um then maybe that wouldn't apply what do you think about that one i think bad santa is 100 percent a christmas movie the iconography of santa claus is too important and too specific to what that movie's about both in terms of how the kid worships him and how the, the female character who i can't remember her is uh has like a, a fetish for santa clauses those are so specific and so ingrained into the American psyche of Christmas time and how we view Christmas and how we grew up with Christmas and how we respect and disrespect Christmas that Bad Santa is connected at a DNA level with the holiday. It is 100% a Christmas movie. Cool. What about The Night Before, the 2015 film directed by Jonathan Levine? Uh, definitely a Christmas movie. In fact, I'd say a holiday movie since I believe uh, Seth Rogen's character is Jewish in it. But yeah, um, that movie's in tied entirely to the holidays. It's, it's entirely about 
you know, friends and family discovering each other, breaking new ground, overcoming their fears at, at a season that encourages it at, at a time of the year when we all take stock and we all have to reflect and think about where we are and where we're going. It does it in a very raunchy way, but it, it, it all ties back to themes that are intrinsic to the holiday. What about your favorite Home Alone movie, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York? It's a Christmas movie. Uh, it, it's way too obsessed with, with, with um, Christmas as a concept, as a season for forgiving, a season for redemption, a season for um, trying to kill burglars, you know, all the usuals. Uh, I'm not sure if Chris brought this up in our previous discussion, um, but uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, this one's tricky because I think Eyes Wide Shut's a masterpiece. I've heard people argue that it is a definitive Christmas movie. I, I would argue that's not. I would argue it's, it's a great movie to watch at Christmas because it, it plays with the ideas of Christmas in, in really fun ways. Uh, and I think Kubrick is very, very aware of the iconography that he's, um, you know, he's uh, de- destroying. Uh, but I, I would say no. I would say it's a great movie to watch this time of the year, but I would not call it a Christmas movie. Chris, is he wrong with that one? Uh, I mean, I de- I watch it every year at Christmas time, so for me, it's a Christmas movie. But I do think, you know, if if you removed Christmas from that movie, it would pretty much be almost the same movie. I mean, it, it might not have you know the, those images, but it would more or less be the same movie. So it is tricky. But for me, I count it as a Christmas movie because I I only watch it uh, this time of year. How about uh, another Sheen Black movie, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Great movie. Same thing as Lethal Weapon. Just it's all aesthetic. It's all decoration. No, but people no, no. are brought together with the Christmas party and it has some plot uh, points, right? Yeah, but a Christmas party in, in an L.A. set movie. Everybody has parties in L.A., Peter. You, you go to parties every single night. You, you do the cocaine. You do the drugs. You get, you get the prostitutes. It's L.A. It's, that always happens, right? <laughs> always. All the time. That's uh, Peter uh, right there. <laughs> what, what about Serendipity? I have not seen it, so I can't comment. H.T., have you seen Serendipity? I feel like you have. I have. It's, is it um, a Christmas movie? Mm, because they meet at like – um. Don't they meet during Christmas? Like it's a meet cute during Christmas at some. I think it's like buying an gifts essential, or buying like, gifts. I think it's yeah, they are they do, but I think it's I think the Christmas element is almost superfluous because it's more just like a an essential like winter time um, movie. But I don't think the Christmas part element plays like a huge aspect in it, other than like their initial meeting, and you could put that in. Play, replace that with anything um and it's just like the you know serendipity is the cafe that sells like the famous hot chocolate so it's it needs to take place in wintertime but not necessarily at christmas it's okay um you've got mail how about that jacob really fantastic movie i love the death but it's only set briefly at christmas so again it's disqualified um trading places uh i've not seen this movie in well over a decade uh, my my knee jerk reaction, based on my memories, is to say no because it can be it, once again it's not quite tied specifically to the holiday. But I'm also going to um, I'm, I'm also going to say I'm not going to definitively say one way or the other because it's been so long. So table, what do you think? Is this a Christmas movie? It's been, uh, it's been so long since I've seen this, so I don't even know. But I, I pulling mean, pulling up photos from it, there's a lot of Christmas imagery and like the characters are wearing like. Christmas clothes and like Santa hats and stuff like that, right? Chris, yeah, what do you like, think? 
I mean, yeah, like there's a whole scene where Dan Aykroyd is like dressed as Santa and he's like eating raw meat or something like that. So, uh, but I don't, I don't really know if I would, I would, if, if someone said, think of a Christmas movie, I don't think this would come to my mind, honestly. I have one that I would like to ask because this is a movie that I like to watch around Christmas. Um, and I, I like to say that it's a Christmas movie. Though I, I suppose I can understand if you wouldn't, but what about Catch Me If You Can? Oh goodness! I remember this actually came out on Christmas, I believe, when the year it came out. It was like one of the big Christmas releases, if I remember correctly. It did. Uh, There's the constant theme of them that they're always talking to each other at, on Christmas and stuff too. Hmm. This one is tricky because I feel like the the release date and the um, recurring Christmas as a plot point, as, as like a regular plot point, makes it a really good uh, debate. But ultimately, I think the movie veers really far from Christmas where it matters in terms of what the movie, where it goes and how it's about. It uses Christmas as a reference point, an emotional reference point that we all understand and can, you know, relate to. But I don't think it ties deeply enough into Christmas for it to be a definitive Christmas movie, even though I feel that it's actually a really good movie to watch in the season. It It also defies your rule of like it's a movie you could watch outside of Christmas and enjoy. Yes. Um, how about the John August movie, Go? I have not seen Go. What? Jacob, you need to see Go. <laughs> One of my favorite movies. Uh, who here has seen Go, and is it a Christmas movie? Uh, I've seen it. It's all set on, isn't it like set on Christmas Eve or something? It's like set in one night, so. Yeah. It, and it, it's. It, I mean, kind of, but Christmas is so it's, it doesn't. I, they just keep saying it's Christmas, but everything that happens in the movie has almost nothing to do with Christmas. So I would say no. Hmm. No I have, go. I, I need to rewatch that <laughs> with that in mind and wonder if it actually is a Christmas movie. But uh, I think there is a, a bunch of plot elements there. I, I think Jacob would disagree, though. So um, how about Rocky Four? Rocky Four is Rocky Four is a no time of the year movie. It is a it is a movie you should never watch ever. Not at Christmas. Not in July. Never. Uh, Rocky Four is not a Christmas movie. Okay, now one of the movies that came up in my research for this, Jacob, is a movie I don't think you you would think of as a Christmas movie, but I think a lot of people were trying to make the argument for this movie as a Christmas movie. How about Life of Brian? The Monty Python movie. No, it's it's about it's about most of that movie is about the death of Christ or a parallel to the death of Christ. It is an Easter yes, movie. Yes, but they were bro- both born on Christmas, right? In the opening scene, yeah, but then the rest of the movie is very specifically, you know, going after l- the later part of the New Testament. It is not at all focused on that. That's an opening gag. The movie's uh, satiric heart is very much pointed at Easter. So I, that's a 100% Easter movie. I, I can't even fathom it being a Christmas movie, honestly. Okay, I have one more on my list, and that is Love Actually. Christmas movie, 100%. It, it is the definitive Christmas movie of the 2000s. Oh, wow. Uh so there you have it. That is uh, Jacob's definitive declaration on what is and is not a Christmas movie. I'm sure there's movies that we did not mention here that we're going to get uh, letters about. And if we do, maybe we'll do another segment of this. But uh, I, I, I think I kind of get the idea of what you think is a Christmas movie and isn't a Christmas movie. I just think those specifications are a little bit too much for me it's i get too, that I guess, too specific the way i want people to visualize this is you walk into a video rental store you know with, imagine they still exist uh and there was a christmas section there was a christmas genre section 
and the movies that were in the Christmas section could not be anywhere else in the store. Like Lethal Weapon could not be in, in action and Christmas. What movies would be in the Christmas section? That's how I kind of categorize this in my brain. I would not put Batman Returns in the Christmas only section. It would be in the action adventure section. So that, that's that's hopefully that's a better visual to help people understand where I'm coming from here. Wait, so you'd put Elf not in comedy, but you'd put it in Christmas? Yes. Hmm. Not sure if I agree. I disagree with that. with that completely. Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't understand. Elf is like the most Christmas movie. The thing I, I, will, I will put Elf in Christmas. I would not put it in comedy. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. I, I misheard you. Never mind. <laughs> okay, that brings us to the end of today's uh, special Christmas episode or holiday episode of Slash Film Daily. Uh, you can find all of our work on SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast uh, on iTunes and all the popular podcast apps. Uh, if you have a question to uh, for us, you can send it to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And... Uh, yeah, have a happy holiday from all of us uh, and enjoy it. And we'll be back after Christmas with our regularly scheduled episodes. Uh, thank you guys for listening. <laughs>